This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. You can't have all the pigeons, but when you do, they're probably Italian. I'm James. And my name's Keen, and that means nothing. Welcome to Sissy That Pod, the, dra- the podcast that Live, Laugh, Loves Drag Race. We are recapping Drag Race Down Under, episode two, Snatch Game, and joining us is the wonderful, effervescent, monogue-obsessed Serena Bellissimo. And even though the episode of Drag Race wasn't the best, there was such good content for the podcast. There was a lot of things we could debate. Yes, there was. I would say, like, the, yes, the episode lacked content. The, the the Drag Race episode lacked content, but the, the, the podcast, this is mm. the, the cherry on top. Then at least Rue found his luggage this week. We got an actual look from Rue and Drag behind the panel. But mm-hmm. I said last week, Snatch Game sort of sorts the wheat from the chaff. And I think we have a season full of chaff. Not because the queens aren't good, but because I just don't think we're going to get to see the best of them. I would agree. So yeah, we've a really fun episode for you on that. But we're actually, James has been squirreling away on a separate podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you would agree, Kian. <laughs> very different tone for me. <laughs> Very, <laughs> very different tone for me. I was listening to previews of it. I was like, oh, this is serious, James. I'm not used to him. <laughs> yeah, I know. Rarely spotted serious, James. But yeah, so I, I think I've mentioned before um, that I, I work with LGBT Ireland uh, and my role in there is is around um, the, so the, the issues affecting older members of the LGBT community. So I've created a podcast, an interview-based podcast, where I've talked to eight uh, older members of the LGBT community are around their journey to to finding um, an acceptance of their identity and the freedom that's come with being themselves, living um, through a, a society where I suppose they, they didn't have that freedom and where it was kind of very much a hard thing to be out. And, and I've managed to get, I mean, eight amazing stories, eight amazing individuals. The The podcast is going to be coming out um, on the 17th of May, which is International Day Against Homophobia, Biphobia and Transphobia. Um, and it will be available wherever you get your podcasts. But we thought you might like to hear the little teaser trailer, little teaser trailer, a little two minute teaser trailer um, with uh, just to give a little bit of an overview of, of what you can expect from it. It's called Invisible Threads. And I... I'm really proud of it. Yeah, Honestly, it I'm really be. proud it of it. Just say, it, it. I can't is... wait to hear it in full. Like, there's some really interesting themes in there that are that I suppose I never really thought of, and I've heard tangentially like, what's going to be like now for LGBTQ people going into nursing homes? The concept of losing a parent and never having the opportunity to come out to them like there's so many things in there that i'm like wow like you you sort of get wrapped up in the queer experience of being what's currently you know yeah. 40s and under right now but it's really it has been very difficult in the past so it was yeah. good to hear that so enjoy the trailer during the passage of the marriage equality bill through the senate in october 2015 the then minister for justice and equality said the tapestry of change has been woven by many hands and she was right This new era of equality for LGBTQ people in Ireland, ushered in by the marriage equality referendum in May of that year, was the culmination of the work of many thousands of people over several decades. Ireland had voted yes, yes for inclusivity, 
Yes for diversity and yes for equality. And that yes was heard around the world. In the blink of an eye, traditional conservative Catholic Ireland was swept aside. But for many LGBTQ people who had grown up in a society unwelcoming of their identity, the images of jubilation in the upper yard of Dublin Castle came with a bittersweet shade, as the celebration and social inclusion may have arrived too late or much later in life, with many bearing the emotional scars of earlier societal discrimination. Woven into the rainbow of the pride flag are the unseen and untold stories of countless generations of Irish LGBTQ people forced to live a life in the closet or on the fringes of society. Can you imagine what it was for 37 years of your life to feel that it wasn't okay to be who you were? What message does it send to somebody when you know that, you know, in general, you're not accepted? He said, it's not working. We want you to go back to Mailmo. And I said, no, I'm not doing that. I've got here. I've got to this point. If you knew what it took to get me to this point, I'm not going back. You censor what you say. You censor your stories. And you're censoring yourself. You know, it's so tragic that we do that to ourselves and I'm so happy that the world has changed in my lifetime. Until you are not yourself for a long while you don't realise how important it is to be truly yourself. From LGBT Ireland this is Invisible Threads, a Go Loud original podcast. In this eight-part series, we meet eight older members of the LGBTQ community to reflect on the journey to finding your identity and the courage it takes to be yourself. I'm James O'Hagan. Invisible Threads is coming May 17th. Listen for free on the Go Loud app or wherever you get your podcasts. Serena Belisabeth, well, thank you so much for joining us on the show. The Chalabert Snatch came down on there. And before we even get into the series overall, my first question is, have you ever done a shoey? No, I was so disgusted that that <laughs> is what's representing us as a culture. Like I know about a shoey, but come on, if you are drinking, it doesn't even have to be fine champagne. If you're drinking any sort of drink, you're not drinking it out of someone's manky shoe. Like, no, thank you. No, thank you. And some unidentified shoe as well. So like, at the end of it, they were like, Who, whose shoes are these? It's like, where did they even get the shoes? <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> Because I was like, you know, a stiletto was a very distinct shape and it did sort of look good to drink out of. But I was like, what, are lads drinking out of their Air Jordans? Like, what's going on there? <laughs> oh, my God. And I can't remember his name. And this is really bad as an Australian Ricardo, who is a Formula One racing driver. Mm-hmm. So anytime he took to the podium, anytime he won, he'd do a shoey. I hope that's the right story anyway. But can you imagine, like, at least it's someone's lovely stiletto. Could you imagine that manky racing shoe? (laughs) (laughs) And what about, like, you know, rugby boots and stuff like that? Are people doing shoeys out of them? Maybe it's just the type of people I hang around with. We've never done done a shoey. Actually, we've probably gone straight for the bottle. So it's never had a chance to go from the bottle to the shoe. (laughs) Maybe this is why Australia has done such a good job in keeping coronavirus under control because everyone is so riddled with whatever's in each other's shoes. They're like, well, whatever, that can't get under our skin. Uh, uh, It's all about building your immune system. And we've built it, mate. (laughs) So how have you found this uh, RuPaul's channeling of Australian culture on TV so far? I've been really disappointed. Right. Mm. Um, now, I was watching episode two with my husband and he was giving out. I know we're going to go into this more later, but he was giving out that one of the queens did Magda Zabansky. And he's like, but, you know, this goes worldwide. Shouldn't they do people who 
um, a, a recognised world over. And I'm just like, no, because if you're going to localise a show, make it as local as possible. And if, it, it, um, if the rest of the world take to it, great. But as a result, what I feel is happening is they're dumbing down the Australian culture then they're trying to make it very American. So we're not getting anything. We're not getting the American version and we're not getting an Australian version as a result. We're just getting a meh. No, you're absolutely right. And actually, because like, obviously we would have an understanding of the likes of Katie Price. So when Bimini did Katie Price in the UK one, it was like, we kind of got the jokes, but you saw how well that went over with the American audience who like were absolutely mad into her because she was able to make her funny enough that it translated. Whereas that Magda basically, I went and watched a couple of the videos because um, I was just like, who is this? Yeah, who is this person and I was like n- n- didn't th- that humour in its original form didn't I didn't really guess it was very kind of like that like birds of a feather early 90s late 80s kind of thing and it didn't feel funny now but see she didn't even do it like she didn't even I think if she exaggerated so um, Sharon who she was it Sharon I can't remember no it was the call centre lady right and she'd be there with her fag and she'd be saying I said pet I said love I said pet and then she'd get into a rant and there was none of that like even if you're going to take these iconic characters it's okay to be doing that because when you have your drag persona anyway no one knows who that drag persona is so it's about turning these iconic characters into characters that people can laugh at they don't necessarily have to know who they are and they just didn't do that no yeah and i think some of my favorite moments in snatch game history is learning a whole new character through these really sort of distinct pop culture lenses like little ed whatever in season five you know so yeah that's kind of part of the thing i always shout out about in this being like the i love the franchises because i feel like it's a cultural exchange it's like going on a ty you know (laughs) trip abroad (laughs) michelle who said to maxi shield is it shit? No, but it's not the best. Do we want to chat about these guest judges at this point? Because they really didn't have anything. To, well, Kylie, I suppose, was introduced kind of earlier on. Um, I presume this is just a, a COVID issue. I think Kylie, this was filmed towards the end of last year. No, you're shaking your head. This is not just a COVID issue. Not good enough. <laughs> not good enough. <laughs> okay. Because if you have royalty like the Minogues on your show, and if you have, James, say who was on last week's show. Who was it? What's his name? Tahiti Wakiki. Taika Waititi. If you have the three of them on your show, please don't make it look like a really cheap college production. Like when Kylie appeared, let, let's just dissect. Tell me when to stop talking about the Minogues because I could do one in an hour. An hour of the Minogues quite easy. But let's let's dissect Kylie and Danny, right? Okay. Even mm-hmm. the way they both appeared on screen. Kylie had a bright background that had nothing in it. Yeah. A feather and a dress. Now, Danny. Danny knew she had to work this because she was about to appear to a worldwide audience. She mm-hmm. went out with her makeup, her hair, her dress. Someone t- didn't tell her to tuck her bra strap a little. You know, that was a little annoying. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, her background had the big um, koala, some greenery and stuff. Like, even things as simple as that, even if you're going to use them as poorly as you're going to use them, do not have the queen that is Kylie Minogue on your show 
looking like she could have recorded from my be- bedroom. Oh my god, it, it it literally looked like it looked like she was fading into that background, and it was like the last minute she was standing there in front of the camera, and she was like, "Oh shit, this is for a drag show. I probably need something a bit extra. Quick, get me that feather." And it's like, where the fuck did that feather come in? Danny Minogue, I will give you, she was channeling Judges Holmes X Factor Series Twelve. Like she was, she was, she was, she was a professional. She knew how to handle it, but at the same time, like. What? Why was she where she was? Like, could they not have arranged that the two of them, like, were were like in as like the even if they were on a screen, that they were the judges, they were the contestants on Snatch Game. Had them both like there, even if they are just like on screens, like that, yeah, that would have been, been a much idea. better way of using them rather than this sort of weird, stiff Kylie Minogue sort of bit at the beginning. Then she never is seen again, and then Danny appears to to give the most vague advice that feels like it was filmed a different time, kind of like with absolutely no specifics so they could just edit it whatever they wanted. The whole thing just felt so... And I, I, I love Danny Minogue probably a little more even than Kylie. I, I just, I think I've, there's something about her that she is. That, that I, I, I think she's fabulous. I think she's wonderful. I think that she deserves every bit of attention she gets. But I just would have loved to see her get more of this and actually to be on the panel. Because I, she was my favourite ever X Factor judge. And I would have loved to see her sitting there giving her critiques in that like sort of elegant way that she behaves. Your audience isn't stupid either. Yes, do we like camp? Do we like um, sometimes so basic that it's fun? Yes, but it's not working in this circumstance. It's not working when you have the showgirl. Like the showgirl of showgirls on your show. Yeah. And it looks like I did her hair. I did her makeup. As I said, she's broadcasting probably, like I know she was in Australia for a little bit. So whether she's broadcasting from her mum's bedroom or from her own, but like her own bedroom would have been more glam than wherever she was broadcasting from. It's just. Yeah, I think she was in London because I think this was filmed the end of last year. And I know from podcasts and stuff she was on the sheet. I think she was in London for Christmas. So I think that's why she couldn't be there. But I'm kind of, yeah, like I don't understand. Maybe she didn't have time. Then don't use her. That, yeah, that, yeah, exactly. Don't use it. Like this is I would say a bordering gay baiting telling her to tell us the episode and giving us that. It's just oh look, I, as I said, I know that there's so much more that we need to dissect, but I almost feel like getting the producers and just going, it's not too late. Whatever you've done for the rest of the season, can you please get like re-edit it, get those celebrity guests back and just do something better? Because what yeah. you're doing and you can't blame COVID because we've seen how other shows have utilised COVID. I mean, yeah. we're all using Zoom right now. Why yeah. didn't they do that? Have a massive big screen with them on the panel yeah. giving their input, yeah. you know? And if she's, in, if she's in London, get some of the BBC camera crew, pay for them to go over to her house and film something, you know. But we saw them We saw them do this much more convincingly on season 13 where they had like Anne Hathaway and Scarlett Johansson both zoom in and actually interact. Because like what, what, the thing that I found the most off-putting about, particularly the Danny Minogue one because I think the Kylie one was just a video message, was the fact that it felt so completely like alien to the rest of the room. Like there was no interaction, at least with Scarlett and with um, and with Anne Hathaway. She w- They were asking specifics. So like, oh, what's your name? What's he, like, I like your outfit here so like you get a sense of like this is a conversation not like the queens were all rounded around like a kind of a whatever camera and had to talk into it and then they filmed questions later and that's what i found the most distracting yeah i i yeah. agree it just it felt oh, i don't want to use this sentence and the minogues like this word in the same <laughs> sentence 
It felt cringe. Well, we might be revisiting this later on when we get to the lip sync song, but let's first dig into the actual um, Snatch Game characters. Let's go top left uh, downwards first. So Karen from Finance was Dolly Parton. This, I she was one of the worst for me, I think. There was no iconic Dolly in it, really, and the accent wasn't great. Yeah, and I was really disappointed because I have to say, in my eyes, Karen from Finance can't do any wrong. Like Mm -hmm. she is now, I have to put my hand up and say I'm a Melbourneian. So Mm -hmm. I gravitate, I didn't gravitate to Art Simone. We'll talk about her in a sec. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I I was disappointed. I was like, if you're doing this iconic character, and like she was there at one stage doing her nails. I'm like, I can't do it. I'm going to try, but no, I can't do it. You can't hear it. Dolly is known for playing the her nails, the instrument on her nails. Yeah. Like that was a really easy go-to. Yeah. Didn't she write a uh, nine to five off the tapping of her acrylic nails while she was going to the toilet or something like that? Yeah. yeah. And working. like she didn't utilize yeah. any of that stuff. Again, I think. And look, maybe because Snatch Game came so early, the girls haven't had a chance to sort Warm of get up. a feel for the show. So they're like, oh my god, we're going straight into this iconic part of Drag Race. And I think the nerves probably got the better of them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I do think possibly. like Karen Karen was one of the queens who came in with probably the the weight of kind of people knowing who they are and expecting them to be funny. So you were kind of judging her maybe at a slightly higher standard than some of the others. I thought the wig was good. The look was good. And she had a kind of a, I don't know, you could tell she knew she let herself down. And it, it was a bit flat, very average flat. It didn't have any high points or hit any good notes. And it was a missed opportunity but I don't know, with all of these, I kind of feel, well, obviously, except for Magda, I'm like, I would have loved to have seen more Australian characters, you know? Like, I would have loved to have actually seen some proper, like, Australia. Like, give me, what's that that lady who owns the, the, the caravan park in, in um, give me Irene! Give me Irene! <laughs> <laughs> exactly, there's so many iconic characters. I'm like, if you're going to, I know we're not at him yet, but if you're going to do Dr. Zeus, maybe do Al Stewart. You know, yes, yeah. choose, choose something like that. Australia has so many icons, but yeah. Russell Crowe, I, I know he's not oh, a drag yeah. queen. Could you imagine doing him as a drag queen? Like he would be <laughs> as Gladiator would be very like the, the deep growl, <laughs> the father of my father, or whatever that quote is. You know, like and chop someone's head off in the middle of the stage <laughs> <laughs> game. There's so many missed opportunities. You know, there's now I know she's someone from the seventies and someone that no one else would know, but they would. Jeannie Little is another massive character that is such a dry character. But yeah, I, okay. I, yeah. I, I, again, I think it's that whole trying to please both audiences. I'm just like, no, mm, yeah. this is down under. Let's focus on the Australian stuff. Yes, I I completely agree, and that, I, that's why I thought Dolly was a was a weird choice then for for Karen. I had heard of Bindi Irwin. I was aware of Steve Irwin, but I was like, I, I don't really know what she's like as an adult. So I kind of paused before Snatch Game and watched her, and I was like, okay, so she's really softly spoken. She loves animals. And I'm glad I did because I would not have got that from Art's performance. I was like, what is going on there? Like, what would you have expected from a Bindi Irwin impersonation? Not what Art gave us. Mm -hmm. I'm so thrown by what Art gave. I wish, who was the other one who was trying to do Bindi Irwin? Scarlett. Scarlett Adams, yeah. Yeah, I I wish I saw Scarlett's version of it because Art's one was just, he was trying to be risque for risque's sake and that's not Bindi. They're not Bindi. It was just, it was crass. Like, it was just kind of, like, really going for the lowest hanging fruit. But in a way that, that wasn't, an like, it was so inelegantly done that it, like, it didn't even, like, there was, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. And, like, the look to me read more kind of, like, 
page three model going into I'm a celeb, get me out of here than it did like Bindi Irwin. I've actually got on my notes for her, she's trying too hard. That's what it's about. She was constantly trying and just unfortunately not hitting the mark. No, no, no. And all the jokes seem to be the same. Like all the jokes basically seem to be about putting things in a in a moist hole. Like that was like all of the jokes were entering a moist hole. That was that was her bit. <laughs> that was, that was the <laughs> but she's just had a baby, isn't she? So I don't know. Man. It's not so moist anymore. Anyway. <laughs> no. Dry ass pussy. As the Queen said. <laughs> so Lizzo is kind of a similar character to Dolly Parton in a way. It's like somebody who's this larger than life personality who's basically a comedian slash drag queen in their own personality. And I think if you're going to do them in Snatch Game, you have to be, you need to outshine them in a way. And Coco Jumbo really did not. Poor Coco Jumbo. I just want to give them a big hug because they're one of my favourites in this competition. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like she, she's getting to the finish line and then she's running back a few paces. Yeah. And there's just, there's, I think Michelle said it as well, like you're about to tell the story and then you're not sure what the story is. So you hold back. Yeah. And I think that's what she's doing. We're not, again, I think she's probably amazing on stage, wherever you go to see her. But on Drag Race, she's just consistently being inconsistent. Yeah. She's so yeah. in her own head. It is like, there is, there was like, you were you said it earlier about the, the deer in the headlights. Like her on that panel was one hundred percent deer in the headlights. And I would say as well, if you're gonna like if you're gonna have a prop like a flute, know how to play the flute. Like you can't just like whip a flute out and then sort of do like like. <laughs> but she she didn't even mention that the flute's called Sasha, right? Like I think that's what the name of Lizzo's flute is. She didn't even mention that. So. <laughs> yeah. She could have had her flute covered in rose petals. It would have been perfect. (laughs) (laughs) But even like Lizzo's known for her empowering statements, her like, you know, her rhetoric. She's a a fantastic speech giver. Where was that as well? It was all like Mm. DNA because I just took a DNA test. Turns out I'm 100% whatever, you know, and she says it wrong. Yeah. Yeah, It was bad. They're very focused on their costumes, I think, and not thinking about that follow through. It's just like, I just need to look great. And like, even the costume wasn't that great. Yeah, because the costume was a version of a, what's it, that Sailor Moon costume that like, and they, like, because I remember seeing that picture of Lizzo like a long time ago. And Lizzo now is all about like, bot, like, you know, body confidence and empowerment and kind of like, and like owning her, like her black identity and stuff. So I think it would have been much more fun to see. Uh, to, to to see her using that as part of the, the, the costume that she was putting on and then like being kind of just like proud and loud rather than the kind of like weird background costumey cosplayish version that we got. From Lizzo to Lizzie, Anita Wiglet as Queen Elizabeth II <laughs> likes a bit of applause. <laughs> I definitely didn't plan that in advance. <laughs> uh, uh, this was fantastic. I really loved this. It was, that bash bag ability was really there and like this match game was like the most darkest jokes which we'll get to a bit later on with Lindy Chamberlain but even that joke about Diana and wearing a seatbelt and stuff I was like I've heard it before but I just wasn't expecting it and it really caught me off guard but I really really loved it but she got away with it I'm like I know we're going to Lindy later Lindy her jokes just didn't land whereas mm-hmm. there was something like when she said she was doing um, the Queen, I just went, oh, how's this going to work? And then even when she was talking to Rue about it, I was just like, oh, I don't know how this is going to work. And then she delivered. I can see why yeah. she won because yeah. she just, she delivered. She got the character. She didn't only look like her, 
she knew what she was going to do with her. Yeah. yeah. No, and, and I feel she burned her best joke in the walkthrough through, which is I write some at a card when I'm 100 and Prince Andrew says the text in their 16. Well, I think I would imagine that she probably wrote that joke knowing that, feeling that that was probably too far for them to go on the panel and was like, well, I'm not going to be able to say this on the, the actual panel, so I'll just give it here to Rue. And then it got used as well. And it was really, really funny. And then, like, even I think that joke, and I think the difference between, say, the, the dark humour around Diana versus Lindy is that, first of all, they're they're all public figures like everyone involved in that is yeah, scenario is like is a public figure and you know it wasn't a joke necessarily like just like the joke was i don't know it, it was it just it was also more, just clev- more cleverly wrapped up that's really what it was it was actually it, it was more complex humor it, it had like a couple of steps to it and it was entertaining in a way that wasn't just kind of let's laugh at this tragic thing that's happened. Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head. So next up was Carla Adams with her Jennifer Coolidge. I kind of felt the impersonation was halfway there. The punchlines were kind of there, even though like that cookie line, I I only know that from a Cinderella story and it was like the cookies, ooh, they're so moist. So I was like, oh, I didn't get the end of the sentence. But I could see who she's going for and I thought it was funny, but it wasn't a winning performance for me. No, I'm with you. I thought she hit the impersonation. She was one of the girls that, the her voice was I thought she was in the room I didn't think she was funny I I thought of the lineup like I think that in the traditional like kind of you know three tops three bottoms I would have put the Queen um, Jennifer and Catherine as like the the top sort of Catherine Catherine Catherine, yeah I I just thought it was like it was it was so it was 100% like I, I can see why they said one winner and then everyone else is on the stage. But I was just like, I really thought the interp, I thought that her, her voice was brilliant. I thought that the look was a bit messy and it was kind of like the makeup was a bit muddy and stuff. And, the, and you could see that it wasn't like a, and I think we're, we're used to on the American one that the wigs are always like phenomenal kind of like human hair. So you could see it was a bit cheap, but I liked her jokes. I laughed a few times, which I can't say for many of the other ones. So I thought that she did, she she didn't deserve to feel fear about being sent home, I would have said. I would have thought because uh, Jennifer Coolidge has like such a big bust and that's kind of like a lot of her character some of the times is that she probably should have had like Pearl as big Ange style, like boobs out to, you know, yeah. here. Just really, really over, like, because she's almost a caricature to some of the characters she plays. So you need to caricature that caricature further. Um, okay, well, let's move, let's move on to Catherine O'Hara. Um <laughs> I thought the face was good. I did think the, uh, I think she did a good job at the, at the facial reactions, but that accent was all over the place and not one mention of Bebe. Oh yeah. Sorry, I'm overruling both of you. She was terrible. You do not take on Catherine O'Hara, who has just won every award going and give me that mm. performance. It was shite. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to jump in and say that it 100% was like a gas gay who's been told, oh my God, you do an absolutely amazing Moira Rose, get out there. And it was just like, who thinks their, their interpretation of Moira Rose is like to throw a load of shit on and put like two wigs on top of each other and not pay attention to the fact that Moira Rose is the most put together character. Like even though some of the stuff looks wacky, is incredibly put together. But I appreciated the back and forth with Michelle. I didn't, like, and I, I thought that some of the lines were there. Like, that weird one about the pigeon that made no sense. Like, that had me cackling because it was so completely ridiculous. Like, it was just, I was like, it it, it, it didn't feel, it 
I don't know. It felt like someone trying to write a line that could have been a Moira, Moira Rose line, but obviously wasn't going to be one. So I enjoyed her interpretation of Catherine O'Hara. I would say for both of these last two, these are people that I've been waiting to see on Snatch Game for years. And I would say that neither of them are going to be the definitive performance of these characters. There will be better ones down the line. But I, I, I felt for two queens who probably aren't comedy queens, they gave it their best shot. Uh- <laughs> But even her Home Alone <laughs> Kevin scream was totally wrong. And there was, it was no the wrong pitch. Oh, yeah, it was, was yeah, there was no, <laughs> there was no like it was an angry. It was as if Kevin had just got you know rang someone over the car about it that I've left him at home. To steal from Michelle Visage again, it's not shit, but it wasn't the best. No, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. I need to get that on a soundboard. You know, <laughs> <you just press. laughs> okay, next up was Magda Shield as Magda Zubanski. Again, I didn't know her. I looked her up. I, I only kind of looked up some of her later work. Um, so I didn't understand this character that she was going for. But like the judges said, like, I got the character. I felt she was totally in it. She didn't make me laugh in a sort of standoffish way. So I didn't necessarily mind it, but I had no reference point. Yeah, no, and do you know what? A lot of the Australians watching this probably wouldn't have a reference point either because this was big in the late... Actually, here's a little tidbit for you. She was on a show called Fast Forward where Eric Banner started as well with oh, his character. Poida, Poida. So he had Poida and she had, she had I Say Pet, I Say Love, I Say Pet. So a lot of Australians probably wouldn't have gotten it in, anyway. But I think... She, this was her chance to sort of bring her back into our mm. conversation because she was such an iconic character for a while. Yeah. 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 I yeah. I thought, like, it was just really, really flat. Like, and, and, like, and I wasn't sure if that's just, like, they didn't kind of give, like, they, they, they didn't give her room. Like, they didn't show her giving any more of her answers. Because, like, that one, I had watched some of that, that the, because I didn't know who it was, I watched one of those, like, call centre things. And I, there was that whole, like, I said love, I said pet, I said, and all of that kind of, kind of, like, lead in to the answer. And I was like, maybe they just cut that out and just showed her, like, showing the one word. But, yeah. I, it was yeah. very, very flat to me. To me, it was one of the worst. I didn't look forward to her coming on the screen with this. No, she was not a for long, to be fair. No, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. Now, Lindy Chamberlain. So I had, I, had to, I had to do a quick refresh of the case and what was going on to wonder, to just ask myself sort of how appropriate session probably is this. So I'm up to date now with this situation. It was a long time ago. I did actually think the dingo ate my answer was quite a funny one. But... The rest was just kind of the same joke over and over again. And I thought that's all she could do. Um, But it was kind of so over the top. It didn't seem real in a way. It was real such a cartoonish like the Simpsons take on it. But I was very surprised to see she was in like the top three, quote unquote. Yeah, I I thought and I I just thought it was really crass. Like a lot of people will know. Well, not even because I think the movies back in the 90s, maybe early noughties, Meryl Streep did Lindy Chamberlain in Evil Angels. And look, Mm -hmm. as crass as it is, we still use the line, and Dingo stole my baby. But um, at the end of the day, I don't know, it just, it felt, I I, I cringed, I felt terrible, I couldn't laugh at it. This is the, like, this is a real tragedy. Um, And I just, yeah, I, I don't think someone should have advised. I think this is where the producers probably should have stepped in 
and advised her against it because it yeah, just... Yeah, because I was surprised we were watching it because we've heard yeah. before of Torch Torch, Michael Jackson, there was lots of molestation jokes that were left out and who did Whitney Houston and there was lots of... Uh, Kind and of. Trixie, Trixie planned to do and um, Frank, Frank and was you know. so told that, that you weren't allowed. And like, I think there was like, was it Eureka was going to do John Benet Ramsey and, and was told that like, like, so they have, the producers have in the past. Have done, I thought, so, okay, separating the, 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 the humor. We've all sat around and told jokes and stories and said things that you absolutely would never say. We've all said dark things that are kind of like funny in front of our friends or even at like a nightclub performance where that's fine. But this is this is bringing something that is a tragedy onto a huge stage to have it laughed at all over again. And I really feel that the producers should have stepped in and said, this isn't a character you should do. It's like, can you imagine if someone on Drag Race UK was to do Kate McCann? Like, can you imagine that? The insensitivity of it. Because this is like, this person is now going to have to relive that traumatic period of their life again. It's going to be brought back up again. It's going to be brought back up for humour. We thankfully have evolved now as a as society where we do understand that you can't like take the piss out of people for things that, for tragedies that have happened, even if they are kind of like funny or whatever, in a way that we would have at one point. Mm. And I, I don't know. It's funny I, I you mentioned like Kate McCann said, there because I found myself watching being like, I'm finding this funny. But if so, like I never found like Madeleine McCann jokes funny. So I was like, what's yeah. the difference? Because they're both tragedies. Yeah. And I think it's just because I'm so detached from the case and the sorrow and the tragedy around it that all I really knew was that line. Whereas for me, because it's yeah. a visceral memory of like Holly and Jessica or Madeleine McCann, I can remember all the, the horror and the, the grief that I just can't bring myself in my head to that funny place because that's just not what lives in that space, if you know what I mean. Yeah, But that's where I do think the producers probably should have stepped in and gone, okay, the rest of the world, they're not going to know what's going on. But here now, I think Lindy has since passed, but still her family still remains. The case is still, you know, it's still yeah. a real case. And I just, there's some, some areas that comedy is supposed to be stuff that we're laughing at inappropriate things, but there's some lines you don't cross. And I think that one was one you don't cross. And it's also not punching up either. You know, you're punching down. You're, you're, you're slagging yeah, yeah. the victim yeah. rather than the perpetrator, you know, so. Yeah. Had you been a dingo? Now that yeah. was a whole <laughs> <laughs> That I would have liked him. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, Ketamine gave us Dr. Zeus. Uh, and we've had a few of these poets before. Monet, I think, was has done it best with Maya Angelou. Uh, but again, it's kind of like all the answers are going to be in verse. Mm. And plus, I have no visual touchstones of what Dr. Zeus looks like. All I can picture is a cat in the hat. So Exactly. Look, I think um, he was advised wrong. And again, they were trying to build that false drama. Ooh, I shouldn't have told him Dr. Zeus. But look, I'm, tell- I'm, I'm trying to stuff him up. Um I, look, there were a couple, I can't remember off the top of my head, but there were a couple of um, smart lines that he did write. I think there was one in response to the Kylie song that I can't remember right yeah, now. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> this is quite tricky. I, I just watched it before this. This is quite tricky. <laughs> I am a riddle solver. I think she wants you to get out of her vulva or whatever. It was, it was it. The show, which yeah. is kind yeah. of fun, yeah. And I have to say, that's probably the one time during that whole Snatch game where I laughed out loud. Went, that is actually funny. <laughs> yeah. um, but the rest, I felt, just fell flat. I mean, unfortunately for that character, there's nowhere to go when you're playing someone that serious unless you're showing, like, going to another extreme, playing him. It's yeah. not going to work. Like, I don't know what he thought, what she thought, doing him. 
Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, it was such a strange choice. I I really I didn't enjoy the look at all, and I found it really distracting the entire way through. Like the kind of weirdly kind of plastered on beard, and that that joke about the Volvo was the only one that I laughed at, or I found sort of amusing of there. And but I really just when we get to the judging and and then like they find themselves in the top three, I was like. What is going on here? That was not a top three before. Hey, I yeah, I didn't enjoy. I didn't enjoy it. And I thought the look was bad. I would have preferred if like they'd done the like black and red and white kind of striped suit, so mm. that there was at least something connecting it back into something more recognizable. Yeah, I I thought it was interesting that the edit seemed to be more even than usual. Like I think everybody got a laugh, and almost everybody <laughs> got a dud like whistle. So, um, yeah, I did seem more even than usual, which I thought was interesting, which maybe made it more difficult to judge. But up to that point, I was like, oh, well, Dr. Zeus is bottom, bottom, bottom material. And then the Volvo was like, oh, OK, well, maybe then I don't know. Maybe I, I don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, that takes us up to the runway. The category was sea sickening. Now, I heard a rumor online that there was a category inspired by the Great Barrier Reef. And it wasn't until Scarlet came at the end that I was like, oh, of course, that's what this category was named after. But sea sickening confused me. and All the looks up to that <laughs> did not give me barrier reef at all. Was, mm. did, you, did you find that most of them look like they were just dressing up for a beauty pageant? It was like beauty pageant queen gone wrong. That's yeah, what I yes. felt I was getting from most of them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, like it was, there was very few of them that gave us something that was really kind of like, you understood the theme from it and it also was like really well done. Do you want to talk about one maybe that was your favourite, James? My favourite was Arts. I, I thought that Arts look was was the best on the runway by far this week. I think that like even like, okay, overall like visual just impression of us seeing it from far away. The wig was gorgeous with the like the black, like it, it just looked phenomenal. And then when you went up close, there was the webbed fingers. She like painted the teeth so they had that like kind of like sharp fish teeth look to them. Like I... I thought that she had, she really elevated the look and she, I, I, she looked amazing. Like it's what, it was the best look we've seen on Drag Race Down Under so far, I would say. And, and I, when I saw that, I was like, okay, her, her snatch game is shit, but she's definitely going to be safe at least with that look. I, I think I had to go for um, Scarlett Adams as the Great Barrier Reef. I yeah. loved what she did. And as I said, the others, I'm like, I just want to mention Coco Jumbo because, as I said, I just want to give them a big yeah. hug because <laughs> her her look was just, what are you doing? Are you just doing, like, a beauty pageant? You, you just, you look so lost. You need someone to sort of take you under your wing and tell you this is what we're looking for. Whereas at least mm-hmm. Scarlet knew, Scarlet and Art yeah. knew what the brief was. Everyone else sort of was just, meh. Yeah, with Coco yeah. Jumbo, I was kind of like, so the hair is like calamari colored, but the dress is like an oil spill. And I was like, what's the concept here? I don't get it. I, I think that that Coco looked amazing, but like it could be like amazing on any like it like it was like that wig was gorgeous. The, the dress looked really nice and her makeup was just absolutely phenomenal. But it bared absolutely no relation to this, like, idea of, like, under the sea, sea sickening mm. a- yeah. at all. It was just a beauty pageant, but done really, really well. Yeah. Who was, who was the one? I loved the one whose hair was going to the side. Was that? Oh, that was, that was Anita. 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 Yeah. Oh, Anita was, there we go. I, I understand why she won, because she was amazing. She looked yeah, phenomenal. Yes. 
Yeah, no, she, she really did. cinched lo- in her waist as well. It was like real corsetry going on. Yeah. Right? Yeah. My favorite was Karen from Finance and her disco shark. I thought <laughs> it was. <laughs> I just thought it was great. It was really fun. It was so campy. It was totally different from everything else. It was proper like Katy Perry left shark naff. And, you know, of course, like Australia, we think and New Zealand, we think of sharks, of course, you know, uh, so mm, yeah. a, a sea full of things that will kill you. So, yeah, ex- I thought it was great. <laughs> I thought she looked amazing and I think was it reset like so a, a costume like that could look so shit really easily if it wasn't done perfectly and she managed to just get it right into that like intersection of like camp and fashion and fun uh yeah she looked really really good she's my winner I I think well I think now for sure I we just talked about the ones we liked I think that what etc etc wore on the wet, on the the runway is my least favorite look I've ever seen. It was like a horrible mustard boiler suit and a pair of like sexy Indiana Jones like gross leatherette boots. It was it was just so unappealing to look at. I cannot believe that she found herself safe after that performance and then I, I don't know. I was I, I really didn't like it at all. I, it was too clever by it was trying I to be too clever. I thought Electra's was the worst. It was so like it had no point of view at all. It was just a dress and kind of yeah. widely green hair. At least with Electra's, I thought there was a fun concept. It wasn't particularly feminine. It wasn't particularly cap, but it was a fun concept. Davy Crockett's locker thing. So yeah, let's get on to the judging. Anita wins. We're all happy with that. Then Ketamine and etc. are top safe. We don't know. I'm not sure. Confusing. And then everyone else is low. Maxi, Electra, Karen, Scarlet, with Art and Coco being in the bottom two. James, if you if it was if it was James O'Hagan's drag race, what would your <laughs> order have been? Um, I think for me, so the Queen, you could you know why they did it this way because there was only one real like absolute winner, and then I would have said that the bottom three for me would have been Maxi, Kita, and Coco. And I, I say that, th- I bleh. and I would say that for like Art's runway, I felt should have saved her from being in the, in that like real danger zone. Yeah. And I mean, they, they've done it before, like Got Mick got off a few times in season 13 with a great look at a poor performance. And if, you know, if they wanted to push Art Simone as somebody who they wanted to go all the way, they absolutely could have. They just made the decision not to. Serena, who would you have put in the bottom three? I would have done the same, but I probably would have put in um, et cetera, et cetera. There's just something about, does it mean that there's just something about her that just rubs me up the wrong way? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just, and Art, yeah, he, yeah, Art deserved to be there, but then I agree, I think, the personality is what actually got her into the bottom two. It yeah. wasn't the bottom three. It wasn't necessarily the fact that she did so badly because so many others did worse. Coco, as much as it pains me to say it, Coco Jumbo did deserve to be there. Uh, I think I would have put Art, Ketamine and Coco in the bottom three and probably saved Art for the look um, and had the other two lip sync. But it is, it's really hard to know. Um, there is, there's just a lot of out there yeah so <laughs> art and coco are chosen to lip sync and they lip sync and i genuinely when we were setting up for the lip sync and it was like two queens before me i was like oh i better write down the lip sync song i'll save myself some time i'll write kylie minogue just so i have it have it prepared for when i find out what the song is and then i was like sorry what i'm that bitch by rupaul yeah. what the fuck is this <laughs> it, again 
again, made no sense, did it? No. You have your guest judge <laughs> as a Minogue. And do you know what? If, if you don't want to do Kylie, there are so many iconic Danny songs. I know. Do a Minogue, like, do put the needle on it. Do something. I, but you gave us RuPaul. I agree so strongly. I It just was like... I don't understand what what was the thought pattern for this. Like, it wasn't even a good RuPaul song. No, it's one it we've had even, it... already that queens have done a rap to and have done a better yeah. than RuPaul's original. Like, what? It's like next it? week they'll be doing UK Hun on the on the. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my my only my my the only thing I can assume for this is that they asked Kylie's people. To clear the rights to a song for a lip sync and maybe they chose an old one that still stuck up on all this stock Aiken Waterman le- legal battle and they couldn't clear it in time before they were filming and they had to just go with something that Rue can sign at ticker box that's the only thing that makes sense to me I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna come in and say Danny Minogue will get you whatever you want <laughs> absolutely she she is she is out there in the parking lot selling CDs out of the back of a Peugeot 206. She would give you, put the needle on it, whatever it is you're looking do, for. She might not have the power to. I don't know what her record label situation is. Oh, but... she does. Oh, she does. I'm sorry. I'm with Kane. Danny will be working through the night to make that happen. It's such a lost opportunity. It I is, just it And I, I quite like that song. It's not, you've got these judges on and you're giving me a bit more Rue. Rue, we can have you whenever. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. this week because <sighs> it's like that's the whole point of getting a singer on the power even in the episode that she can get their song um, no. now if I were to ask if I were to push you Serena for which Kylie lip sync they would have chosen which one would you have recommended it uh, oh this is a hard one see I love love at first sight I think mm-hmm. that could have been quite cool or I would have quite loved wow yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. That would have been quite cool too. Two great choices, James. I I was I, I was anticipating that it was going to either be Can't Get You Out of My Head or Spinning Around. That they I was anticipating like either either of those. Yeah. Cause I just think like it's like we haven't had we've had one Kylie lip sync mm. of it so far. So I and I was thinking like you kind of if you're gonna do like if you're gonna if you're gonna have a Kylie lip sync, you want like the one that has the second that first beat kicks in, you're like, oh my god. Yeah. So that's why I was thinking it was gonna be, be either of those, or hoping it would be either of those. Coco Jumbo wins the lip sync. I think I did interpret that as the correct choice. So yeah, art is eliminated. And uh, I was just saying, she was distraught uh, at it. And she seemed really sad. And a bit that I thought was low-key iconic was the producer was like, but you made it here. And Art was like, that means means nothing. nothing. (laughs) (laughs) That was the best part of the show, I thought. It shows the real question. Why didn't she show us that during the the fans-up? Like... It was, she wasn't great. Come on. Like, Jojo, no. J- uh, Coco Jumbo was the one who was, like, she was brilliant. And even that, I was watching it and I was so underwhelmed. Yeah. Then it was like, Art, that passion that you had yeah. when you were talking <laughs> to the producer, where was it? And I was just saying, you knew the minute that it was Coco in the bottom, that whoever the Coco was up against was going to be going home because... Like, they only had two contestants of colour. They weren't going to send them home one week after the other. So it was whoever was in the bottom two. And maybe Art had that in, in her mind as well. And, like, that's not in kind of, like, an affirmative action kind of whatever. Like, I, I just think that, you know, the way these shows are made now, they understand the backlash they'll get if they 
if they are perceived to be sort of, you know, doing that sort of stuff. So I, I don't know, maybe that's what it was. But honestly... Especially when she did better in the lip sync. So. Well, Co- well, Coco 100% won the lip sync. There was no two ways about that. But uh, yeah, I, I was... Uh, it's, it's hard to know whether they're eliminating a strong queen at the start to get people talking, to build interest in the series. Kind of a bit like Joe Black. Like, was that on purpose? It's it's hard to know. Maybe someone's coming back later on the season and they have, they knew that. So they were like, we can... I don't afford know. to kick it It did feel... Off, yeah against the normal drag race narrative of like uh, oh well she's going to get to the final so she'll probably be safe yeah although I, I really do think her personality had something to do with this and she like she's she's the only one actually I feel whose personality has really been highlighted in the whole two two shows I felt like she was the one that they wanted us to dislike and look when the word Melbourne comes up I don't care who you are I'm usually backing you 100% so I was yeah. thrilled when I found Karen from Flyband from Melbourne. <laughs> but I, I was disappoint, disappointed with Art. I couldn't support her. I just, there was just something about her. Yeah. Even yeah. though her final look was fierce. Yeah. No, you are like, she does have kind of like just a bit of a stink face look about her. And maybe, you know, maybe this, this will be something that she can turn around and kind of be like, oh, now I understand I need to be less full of myself but i'm i'm despairing for the runways now because i'm like the runways aren't great and she was one of the best so i'm like you've taken out one of the biggest players i'm like oh yeah yeah (laughs) well serena thank you so much for joining us today where can people find you what do you have coming up in your show over the next few weeks all this sort of stuff um you can find me on spin with the bellissimo files always have some of the biggest stars on the show um and on my instagram just serena bellissimo good luck spelling that double l double f next week is it seems to be like a a girl group challenge challenge or something so yeah let's just see how that goes (laughs) (laughs) queens down under eh? (laughs) who knows what it's going to be like um so yeah join us back next monday for that you know maybe the worse it is the more we have to talk about so i don't know yeah yeah. Um, (laughs) until then make sure you check us out on instagram sissy that pod is what we're called. You can also support us over the Headstuff Plus Podcast Network as usual. If you want any more details, you head over to headstuffpodcast.com. Five year a month helps keep the show going. You get some bonus content in exchange. Um, so yeah, we would be very appreciative. Have a lovely week. We'll chat to you next week. See you. Love you. Bye. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.